our scripture today comes from both Galatians and Luke. I'm going to begin with Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And it reads, Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes' land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what happened, they ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes, asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home. And tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. And from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29, Paul writes, Before faith came, we were guarded under the law, locked up until faith that was coming would be revealed, so that the law became our custodian until Christ so that we might be made righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now if you belong to Christ then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, I thank you that we have your word, that you have given us the spirit that we can ever hear your voice, ever follow your leading. And I ask that you lead us now. Let us hear your voice. Speak through me in spite of me. Let us hear you in spite of ourselves. And no matter what is said, what is heard, what is contemplated, Lord, we just ask that all of it 
be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I, uh, sometimes I like to think I'm getting old, but then I'm reminded, no, you're not. Uh, parenting children can make you feel a little out of touch at times. Um, parenting particularly three-year-olds. I try to reason with my three-year-olds. They do something that's not good, and I try to explain to them why that's not a good idea. So a conversation might look like this. Juliet, oftentimes the conversations with Juliet, you cannot have a cookie because you were not good at the grocery store. And she replies, what's good? What's doing good? Well, it's you were acting badly. Well, what's acting badly? Well, it's when you don't behave. What's behaving? Well, do you remember when you screamed and kicked and threw a fit and tossed your shoes across the aisle when it was just your mom trying to corral all of you? That wasn't good. What do you mean, Daddy? Well, you know what? Just, it's no cookie. Let's just leave it at that. No cookie. I try to rationalize. I have to tell them, don't run in the parking lot. Why? Well, because there are cars driving around and you might get hit. Why? Just don't run in the parking lot. Maybe they understand and maybe they don't. And my feeble and, and ever-present way of trying to rationalize and reason with them. I wonder if our faith can be compared to this ordeal that some of us have faced. We learn the rules, don't we? One day we begin to understand why we have the rules. And one day after that, we understand that we don't need the rules anymore because we understand the purpose of the rule in the first place. So, for instance, don't run in the parking lot is really our way of saying, we want you to live. <laughs> and later, they may understand why not running in the parking lot has something to do with living. And so later in life today, we don't run in the parking lot. Well, we shouldn't. Because, not because there's a rule, but because we want to live and we know it's safer for us to mind what we're doing and to move slowly in a dangerous place. I want to be safer. Do you want to be safer? Yeah. It's a simple example, and we live in a more complicated time with a lot more complicated rules and situations. Last week, we talked about pain and all that pain has to teach us and the way that we come through our pain and actually have things that we can offer as a source of life to other people. The pain becomes comfort. Wisdom we learned, is never done speaking. She always has much more to say. Amen? And we got those words from Jesus, much more to say. He told the disciples in our reading last week, I have much more to say, but you can't handle it. Jesus is always looking to help us grow and learn and grow and learn. So in Luke, our reading today, we're going to recap a bit what's happened in Luke prior to the point of our story. In Luke 1 and 2, Jesus is born. It's the story of John and Jesus and annunciations and miracles and shepherds. And then in chapter 4, Jesus is baptized, goes in and is tempted and begins his ministry in the synagogues, which is where he spends chapter 5. Now, he almost gets killed for doing it, but he goes in there anyway. And then in chapter 6 and 7, Jesus exits the synagogue and starts preaching out by the lake, starts preaching along the road. He's taking the message beyond the normal borders. And so in chapter 8, when he says, we're going to go across the lake, it seems only fitting. We're going to venture to the place that many of you have never been disciples. We're going to go outside of Israel to the land of the unclean, to the place you've probably never been. 
Because Jesus knows the whole point is to move ever forward and outward. And he's going to teach his disciples a thing or two. So they get across the lake. Now, one thing to know about this story, Gerasah, which is the place that they came to, the land of Gerasah, there are 10 cities. They call it the Decapolis, which means 10 cities. But in the land outside where they get off of the boat, they're in this land that has had a long history of some really terrible things. They've been defeated recently by Rome. Alexander the Great had defeated it in an attempt to Hellenize the whole world, had knocked them down to nothing. And now Rome is here, and Rome is fighting and ever-stretching the lands. The people are defeated. They live in this state of captivity, of lack of hope, and they're stuck. And that's all maybe symbolized in this demoniac who's chained, who lives among the dead, who has no life, who doesn't understand the way of the world because many demons are possessing him. So Jesus encounters the man of Gerasa and frees him. The naked, homeless, vulnerable man is given new clothes. And at the end of our scene, he's sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and completely sane and in his right mind. And something about this scene makes all the people say, we need you to leave, Jesus. Because when you've been in a land and a state of mind for so long where nothing good happens, and then you see something good, it's scary. You almost can't believe it. It rocks your world. Maybe in the form of pigs marching off the cliff, which would be a little alarming for me. But they have this blessing of healing, and they're scared and tell him to go. Now, in Mark, the telling of this story is very much the same, except a couple chapters later, it says that Jesus is making his way through Tyre and Sidon, and he comes to the area of the ten cities. Same place. And there is a crowd waiting and asking for healing. Where did that crowd come from? Well, at the end of the story that we read today, the man wanted to cross with Jesus and become a disciple. And Jesus said, no, no, you stay here and you go to your town, your family, your friends, your church. Tell them what God has done. And he did. And two chapters later, there's a group of people waiting for Jesus to bring healing. So there's much more to say and do. And in Luke, the whole idea is based on the temple. The, the book begins in the temple. It ends in the temple. It's centered on the temple. But in Luke volume 2, which we call Acts, everything goes beyond the temple, which has been the whole point all along. It's always about venturing into the unknown where we find Paul who goes to the Gentiles and preaches the gospel to them. And then all the people that are in the synagogue are left wondering, how does this work? How does it work to be in the Gentile land and have faith of Gentile and faith of Jews together? And how does that? And that's where we come to our reading today. The whole point is that sometimes, all the time, we're called beyond. Right, David? We're called beyond. We're called to somewhere we've never been. And that's terrifying. And part of us wants to say no. But the whole point is to bring us into freedom, to bring us beyond our comfort zone, bring us out into something new. Freedom. We love to talk about freedom this time of year. Camp freedom is getting ready to happen. Freedom. What is freedom? There are two types. You can have freedom from something, like not running in the parking lot keeps you free from being hurt. Or there's freedom for something. Later, we don't run in the parking lot because we want to live. Not just avoid something, but actually claim something. 
I know that's a really elementary example. Forgive me. Paul is addressing the issue in the church of Galatia. If you got the chance to watch the video that I sent out the link for this week, then you probably learned a lot about that letter. And if not, go watch it. It's really good. Paul had come there and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the death and the resurrection, and that the new age of God has been ushered in through Jesus. The old ways are passing away. The new ways are birthing forth. All who believe in the faith of Jesus Christ, the full display of God's faithfulness upon the cross, they're now part of the new community through the Holy Spirit. Not new individuals. They're part of a new community. They're a new body part of the one body. This means the old ways are gone. But the Galatians have written Paul in a letter we don't have, and this is what Paul's responding to. So what they've said is this, this is basically what's happened. People have come into the church after Paul had left. They're doing their thing, and some people show up and say, all you Gentiles need to follow the law of Moses, so all you men need to be circumcised. No thank you, right? No thank you. <laughs> you need to follow the law because it says in the law this is what you need to do. All of you need to start eating different. You need to do what the law says. And the people are buying this in the church in Galatia because, well, if we're going to follow the Jewish Messiah... Jesus was Jewish, if you didn't know, then we should probably follow the law that Jesus followed. That makes sense. I mean, the law of Moses, this is what Jesus was all about. And so they started questioning and wondering, and they wrote Paul asking about this, and Paul writes back, a little angry if you read it. Um, he says, you're going back to the old ways, the previous age. Are you ignoring the fact that the whole new thing has come about? You're ignoring the new reality of the Holy Spirit. You're abandoning the Spirit and claiming the law. Do you understand what that means? If you pick up the old ways and that old kind of thinking, you're just defeating the whole purpose. You're making Jesus useless. Have you ever been caught up in the kind of thinking where we think, if we can just go back to the way it was, we'd be better? Have you ever said to yourself, if we can just get back there when life was simple, that'd be great? Or, if we could just go back to that time when things were going the way that I liked, It'd be, we'd be in good shape. We'd be in a lot better shape, right? Our home, our country, our world. These new apostles have arrived in Galatia, these super apostles, as Paul refers to them, teaching the gospel of the law. And he's trying to pull them back. And maybe they were afraid. Maybe they struggled to believe in the Holy Spirit. Maybe they found comfort in the way of the law. Don't we? Don't we find comfort in the ink on the page where you can see it black and white? versus the Spirit who might take you anywhere. I remember distinctly saying, God, please do not take me overseas. Do not want to go overseas and be a missionary. And I knew that if I really was going to follow God, I'd have to open myself up to that possibility. And I've been to four continents since, and I survived. Trusting in the Holy Spirit means you don't know where things will go. You may be getting into the boat, not sure what's going to happen when you get on the other side. Will it take you across boundaries? Yep. Will you face storms along the way? Yep. Will it challenge the social norms of your culture? Well, duh. Will it displace men from a place of privilege over women? Yep. Will it give slaves and outcasts a status of equality? Yep. You know the word sinners refers to Gentiles, right? Did you know that? In Scripture. Sinners reference to Gentiles. Will it erase the old markers of who's in and out? Yep. And that's what Paul says it exactly is what it's going to do. But first, 
He offers an illustration of the law's purpose, and I want to focus on it because it's really enlightening. Our word today in our scripture, it said it twice, was that we had the uh, custodian. The law was a custodian. Or maybe your interpretation says disciplinarian, right? Words that get us excited. That's a joke. Paul's word is paidagogos. Paidagogos. Say it, it's kind of fun. Paidagogos. Thank you, Christopher, my brother. Paidagogos literally means child leader. It refers to a person, usually a younger person, who supervises the children to keep them out of harm's way or to keep them in line while they go about their day-to-day. A family would have a paidagogos. My children need one. Uh, And guide them to make sure they didn't run in the parking lot and throw things at the grocery store. But the thing is with the paidagogos, it's understood it's a temporary position because one day the children won't need that instruction. And so the paidagogos completes its purpose. Paul describes the law this way. It had a purpose and a good purpose, a godly purpose. It revealed the sin of all people. And if you are struggling to understand what I'm talking about, go read the law, all 613 laws, or just do the Big Ten, right? Read it, and I think you'll instantly know, oh, okay, yeah, I messed up. This is revealing some things to me. That's what the law did. It serves a purpose as we grow, but eventually the goal is to outgrow the law, so to speak. And then we enter into freedom as mature adults, so to speak. God gave the law not to restrict, even though every one of them begins with, thou shalt not. I don't know why I read it like that, but I do. Rather, the law reveals the right way to live. How to be in good relationship with God and your neighbor. You want to be in good relationship with God? Serve God alone. Do what God says. You want to be in good relationships in your home? Then honor your father and your mother. And the way the law works is father and mother are supposed to honor their children too. It works both ways. If you can master those relationships, then maybe you can go out and be a good neighbor in the world and not kill your neighbor, not steal from your neighbor, not covet your neighbor's things, not lie. Yeah, these are good things. Are you still living under the law? Well, here's, here's a way to know. Are you still focused on who is following the rules? Or are you clothed in Christ, as Paul puts it? Clothed in Christ comes from an ancient practice of baptism, which we do, but it comes from paganism. And the ancient practice, and we're all going to be happy that we don't practice it this way anymore, in paganism, you would strip off all of your clothes, you would get into the water, you would be baptized, and then you'd step out of the water and be given new clothes and put the new clothes on, and that would symbolize the newness. Yes, aren't we glad? We can laugh. This is, this is good. For me, I describe baptism like a marriage. It's a covenant. Now, it works for me to marriage, and for you it may not work that way. You may have a better example, and that's fine. But we stand before when we're getting married, and we stand before and we talk and we commit. We make vows with God to another person. And did something change from the time you stepped up and said your vows to the time you completed your vows and are pronounced husband and wife? Did something change in you? Are you different? We'd say, yeah, and no. Something's different about saying the word. Something's different about putting on the ring. Something's different about what we did. But at the same time, it's really all a symbol of what was already going on. And we're just bearing it, proclaiming it, and celebrating with our friends and family, which is exactly what a baptism is, is it not? Do we have it all figured out when we say yes to God? No. Are we 
glad to proclaim it and celebrate with our friends and family when we do this? Yes. Do we put on new clothes? Yes. Entering into membership of the church is a similar covenant. And Tony did that today. He said yes to you all. And you all said yes to him. Which means you're committed. Do you have it all figured out? Are you going to hurt him? Probably. Are you going to hurt them? Probably. Are we going to get through it anyway? Yes. You all pledged. And it's no small commitment. Paul's reminding the Galatians that they have committed to Christ and to each other through baptism. And they've signified this commitment by the baptism. They've left the old way behind in the pile of dirty clothes, and they've put the new way on in the brand new garments. They are different, and they've left the old ways behind. No longer are they living by the ways of the old. You don't put on the dirty clothes, people, right? Well, sometimes you got to, Jack, right? <laughs> College. <laughs> so the new reality, Paul says... Jews used to be favored. They used to be the chosen ones of God. And you could tell. You could tell by the things they did. But no longer. Because when you put on the new clothes, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Free people used to have power and privilege over slaves. But no more. The new reality lived in the church in Galatia is that slaves and masters sat at the same table as equals. And if you don't think that that changed their relationship and how they regarded each other away from the table, how could it not? Men used to be of higher status than women, but no more. Putting on the new clothes means that we all come to the table as equals. We all have the same value. We all have the image of God. Let me ask you, are you free? Are you living into the new community to which you have committed and said, yes, the new clothes you've put on, or are you still living the old way? Do you claim a higher status over others because of your ethnicity, your gender, your age, your rank or position, your degree hangs, hanging on the wall? If you do, then you're living in the old way, and that is not the way of greatness. It's a way of captivity. This way of captivity says you must do something to earn favor with God. The new apostles in Galatia are preaching this message, and Paul is making it clear. Living as if you have to do something to earn God's favor denies the Holy Spirit altogether, and it makes Christ's work on the cross pointless. Because you're not making it about what they do, what God does. You're making it about what you do. We need only... Paul says, believe in the faithfulness of God displayed through Jesus on the cross and on the other side of the tomb. We need only say yes to the new way before us, wherever it might take us. We put on new clothes and we spend our days living into the reality of this new community as if it already exists and the old way is gone, that we might be free, free from sin, Free from all the things that have kept you captive for so long that bring about the anger, the things that, that make you still share that hateful post because you're just so angry. You got to. You can't help it. You're a slave to it. You can't break free. Jesus wants you to be free from that and free for. Fullness of life is one way the gospel writers say it. Freedom is the way Paul says it. 
We can say the reign of God, the kingdom of God here and now, you can experience that now. Free in Christ, because we're slaves for Christ. Yeah. Jesus wants you to be free in him. Jesus Christ displayed the faithfulness of God by dying upon the cross while we were yet sinners. God is so faithful, amen? Do you know God made the covenant with Abraham way back when that the whole world would be blessed? I mean, the whole point of the whole story, the whole time was everybody. And Abraham, when he went to make the covenant with God, God put him to sleep and God made the covenant for him on his behalf because God says, I am so faithful. I don't even need your commitment. I love you so much, I will do it. And I love your commitment, but I'm gonna commit to you. I'll die on the cross before you even know what's happening. The Holy Spirit empowers you to cast off the old and to put on the new. Every day, when it's hard, when you feel the old ways luring you, even if you were baptized decades ago, there's still much more the Spirit has to say to you. Amen? There's still so much more freedom awaiting you in Christ Jesus. Amen? What are we waiting for? My friends, let us commit in a new way to live into the new community, to recognize our old ways that we still carry with us, And sometimes we got to depend on each other to reveal the old ways. Amen? Let us stop living in the past. Let us give up the past anger and the past pain. Let's give it up. Is it it serving you? Is it leading you to freedom? Then what are you doing? Right? I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself here. How about the old ways of the political fights that we know we're going to get into at Thanksgiving time, right? When you know a certain somebody who's going to say that certain thing that's just going to make you mad and want to leave, you know it's coming. Can we give it up? Is that leading you into freedom? Is that the way of the new community? Then just ask yourself, why don't, what am I getting from this? And am I ready to let it go? Instead, let's focus on the real thing we're supposed to be focusing on. While we're focusing on each other and keeping our chains on, we're ignoring the people around us that have chains which is really, I think, what the enemy is wanting to have happen. So let's go. Let's go to them. Let's name our pain together that they may be free of it, that they may be clothed anew and sit at the feet of Christ. Let us dress them that they might join this new community, that we say yes to them, that they may say yes to us as we ever grow and learn and grow and learn and take out of our comfort zone by the Holy Spirit to see what God has to show us next. Are you with me? Amen. Amen.